Welcome to Elixir Wizards, a podcast brought to you by SmartLogic, a custom web and mobile development shop based in Baltimore. My name is Alex Hausen, and I'll be your host. I'm joined by my co-host, Sandy Miet. Hey, Sandy, how you going? Hey. And my producer, Bonnie Lander. This season's theme is Impact of Elixir, and we're joined today by special guest, Yiming Chen. Welcome to the podcast, Yiming. Hi, everyone. I'm Yiming, and I'm based in Shanghai now. It's great to have you. Thank you for joining us because I know the time difference is a little crazy. A developer's worst nightmare, time zones. Yes, we are so excited to have you and so excited. I think this might be, if not the first, like one of the rare instances where we're recording across three time zones right now. So this is a fun time for all of us, but we made it happen, especially, I mean, we've been hoping to have you on the show for a while. So glad we're finally here and making this work. So thanks again for being here today. Thank you for having me. And I'm a long-time listener. And I think I started listening from season one. And now we are season seven. So, yeah. That's crazy. Thank you. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, let's just get started here. How did you get into programming? We'll get into like the Elixir path after, but just like start of the path. Where was that? Yeah, I majored in computer science in college, but I I got fun story way back in when I was a child. So I learned building websites using Dreamweaver, Firewall, Firewall, Slash, these three things back when I was a child. But I didn't learn any HTML or CSS at that time because these three things are what you see is what you get web building tools. So I usually wonder what if I started learning HTML and CSS at that time. Maybe I would become a friend front end developer earlier and uh, never get into back end. It's super fun to hear you actually say what you see is what you get because I've only ever heard WYSIWYG and I didn't know what it stood for for so long. I don't know, Alex, did you know what it stood for? Oh, I think Alex is realizing it right now. I was like doing it on my hand as if I was counting through the acronym. Nope, I had no idea what it meant. Oh, that's fun. You heard it here first, Alex's epiphany. <laughs> Actually, I don't know how to pronounce the acronym. So I looked what it stands for. And uh, so I can pronounce it as a full. And that's probably fine because honestly, we have too many acronyms. Just so many acronyms. If you can spell the whole thing out, just do it. Like, that's my opinion these days. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, you know, you, you majored in computer science. How did you kind of navigate from, like, traditional computer science path to Elixir? Yeah. So, you know, in college, we taught Java, C++, Python, all, all that stuff. But I learned Ruby at my personal time and got into my first job as a Rails developer, and then I ran into Elixir later. Yeah. Was that something that happened from like a work thing, or did you just happen to come across it on your own? I mean, Ruby or Elixir? Both, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so Ruby was a personal thing, and Elixir as well. So I found Ruby like when I searched for a web framework and uh, learning TDD. So I ran into the Sortboard course uppercase, I think. So they taught TDD, Vim, and the Ruby and the Rails. So I started learning 
uh, web development from there. Cool. Well, it's always really exciting to talk to people who've discovered Elixir in different parts of the world, because I'm always really interested to hear where I almost like want to see a heat map, like who's using Elixir. Because like when Elixir Kenya came up, for example, I was just so fascinated. I was like, okay, so there's a, a group of people using Elixir in Kenya. That's awesome. Um, is there a larger, like art, large-ish group of people who are using Elixir uh, near you? Or is it like countrywide, region-wide? Well, there is definitely not Elixir China yet. So we have a WeChat group in China for Elixir, and uh, it's about 400 people. And not all of them are using Elixir for work. They are mostly interested in Elixir and maybe using Ruby or something else for work. So I really hope we can have something like Elixir China in the near future. I know that for me, see, I similar to what Sandy was saying, seeing how people are using Elixir across the world is really interesting. And you just mentioned that a lot of the people in the WeChat group are using Elixir for personal reasons as opposed to professional reasons. What are some cool personal projects that you've come across that people are using Elixir for? I know that's a hard question because <laughs> there's a lot of cool things. Yes, the most recent one I can think of is the one released by Queen Wilton, where she put together the script or Elixir project to bundle the Beam application into one executable. So I think that's cool. And uh, I haven't got time looking into that yet, but I think I will. Yeah, I think actually this episode will release probably after Quinn does her amazing code beam talk, but I believe she's keynoting. I believe at this point there have been some people in the community who like previewed the talk and are giving it, you know, the hype train. So if you're going to Code Beam, if you went to Code Beam, this future tense, past tense thing is drive. It's just like, oh, oh gosh. But you know, Quinn, we love her. She's awesome. You actually started learning protocols because you you started doing some stuff from based on Quinn's research, right? Is that true? Not actually based on her research. I think we work on our own projects at the same time and we had a similar solution to different problems. And when I watched her talk, I reached out to her on Twitter and saying, hey, I think we are using a similar approach. And yeah, and I was really excited about it because it's really happy to see that it's not only me that's using protocol in this way. That's awesome. Do you want to talk about that first project? Uh, yeah. So that's a project I built for Tubi, the company I work for. So at Tubi, we manage our video processing pipeline in Elixir. Uh, so Tubi is a company that serves movies and TV series free. So we manage our video processing pipeline in Elixir. And this project I built is to move all our videos from one cloud provider to another, let's say S3 to Google Storage. So when you, to be scale, you would have millions of video files and each file can be gigabytes of large. So you maybe have petabytes or even more video files to move. So that's very challenging. 
So I built these projects with protocol heavily to decompose different logics like moving files and then you need to check if all these files are moved correctly and no network issues happen during the transmission. And after that, maybe you need to copy database records that check these files and uh, to I use protocol to decompose all these responsibilities. So that's a cool project I worked on. And it led you to creating your own library, correct? Yes, that's Promox, and uh, that's what I use for testing these projects. Because when I built this project, I found it really hard to mock protocol functions in Elixir, because in Elixir, protocol has this consolidation at compile time. So when you at runtime, you cannot add more protocol implementations, which you might need during testing environment. So I built Promox so we can mock protocol functions in our test script in the during runtime. Was it very intimidating to go about deciding to write your own testing framework or was it an easy decision when you realized you needed something else? I think it's less intimidating because I didn't think of it as a testing framework. I just built it as a tool I use. And uh, I always wanted to build a library. And actually, it was extracted from some functions and uh, helpers I wrote in our test suite. So I think that can make the decision easier. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. A lot of the time you hear people say, oh, I want to build the next crazy good app or popular thing. And and usually when you find something that is really helpful and super useful, it's it's usually born out of a need that you yourself needed to create and implement. And then you have a greater impact on the people who are using it because you needed it yourself. And I always find that to be the more interesting way. When I hear people are just sitting there like, I want to build a library. I don't know what to build. And then they make the next to-do app. I don't know. Just a funny example. <laughs> but it's cool. And yeah, I think it can be less daunting that way. So that's really awesome that that's how that came about. One reason that I was like really curious about your talk and you know, I was sad I was traveling the day that you, you know, you did it live, but I did my talk at ElixirConf on Mox, which is testing through behaviors. And the entire time I was researching for the project, I kept hearing like the buzz in the, the community was like, behaviors are out, protocols are in. I mean, not nothing is that decisive, right? But, you know, people were, you know, getting hit to the protocol. And it was uh, kind of fun to hear that there were other approaches. Can you talk about how they're the same or different between Mox and Promox? Maybe the name is just the same, you know? Well, actually, I picked the name Promox right after Mox because I wanted to provide basically the same API as Mox. So Promox can be used in a similar way or familiar way by users. And besides the similar API, the only difference is that Mox uh, lets you mock behavior functions, like you said, and the Promox lets you decide, uh, lets you mock protocol functions. And uh, I think you are right that behaviors and the protocols, protocols are basically 
just ways to achieve what we need to implement. And it's really depending what we need and、uh, what problems we want to solve. Yeah, and maybe to bring it back even simpler for maybe folks who are just starting or haven't had a chance to even delve into behaviors or or protocols at all. Can you give a very basic description of what a protocol is in Elixir? Yeah, so protocol is basically a way to define polymorphic logic in Elixir. So from its official documentation, I looked it up when I preparing my talk. So the official doc says a protocol specifies an API that should be defined by its implementations. So That's saying that we can have a shared API. Maybe we can define a public function like moving something, moving a file from it,、uh, somewhere to another place. And once this public interface is in place, we can define different implementations for it. And which implementation to use in runtime? Is depending what data structure you use. So for a protocol, we can define different implementations for different structs, and we can have a polymorphic behavior in Elixir. And、uh, it's actually implemented with behavior,、uh, with some nice additions to it. And I think it's really cool, and we should use it more often. Maybe if you were to like give a pitch. For why you think that we should use it more often, try and sway people. Say who are maybe not in that team. What would you say? Well, I think the most interesting thing or most useful feature of using protocol to implement this kind of polymorphic behavior or shared interface is that with protocol you can define this. Interface very explicitly, and also use it very explicitly. So you know, with behavior defining callbacks as using these add callback and add behavior、uh, annotations, and、uh, maybe some some of them are hidden behind a use macro. So when you trying to find where in our code base. Are we using maybe let's say a behavior like GenServer? Well, for GenServer, we are all using use GenServer, so that might not be a question. We can just search for use GenServer. But for some other behaviors, we might not use that consistently. Maybe someone is using add behavior, and maybe someone is using add use that behavior. And when calling these callback functions, what we usually do is pass a module as variable. So we are calling maybe a module dot handle something, handle callback or something, and different people name their modules variables differently. So it's hard to searching or grabbing this kind of usage in our code base with behavior, but with Protocol. We are defining these interfaces with Dev protocol, and for example, with Enum map, we can always search for Enum dot map, and we can get almost all the usages in our codebase for this public interface. 
I'm, I'm curious, what does Elixir provide specifically that makes protocols really good? I mean, I'm guessing that there might be something like that in other languages. I don't know if Ruby has anything like it, but is there something that Elixir does particularly well? I think protocol in Elixir is modeled after protocol in Clojure. So it's very similar. And one thing I love about it is that the protocol usage can be very incremental. Like we can define the protocol first with a bunch of public APIs and then define our implementations for all the data structures we have. So for example, we have this enum enumerable protocol. And once we add a new struct, we can add a new implementation for this enumerable protocol. And then we don't need to define everything up from. That's what I love about protocol the most. Cool. That's really exciting. I kind of wonder what, Sandy, what do you really love about using Mox? You gave a talk at ElixirConf on Mox. And I would kind of like to know, like, what do you think the pitch would be for Mox? So I, the pitch for Mox and what I like about Mox, I think might be different because the thing that I like about Mox, MOX the library, for those who maybe didn't catch the talk, is that it is really just pretty annoying. I got this quote from Jeffrey Mathias, the uh, co-author of Testing in Elixir, but Mox is just annoying enough that if you find yourself using it and you really have to make a decision, do I really, is it more annoying to put my tests into behaviors and mock this behavior than it would be to just do it. You weigh yourself at that time. You weigh your actions and your decision to do it or not. And I like that's sort of the reason. So the thing I like about that is that I really like the structure of putting together a behavior and having like a defined type spec around it. I probably am the personality type that would like types. I just haven't, you know, worked in a language that's very heavily typed yet. But yeah, that is kind of the reason that I like it is that it's so explicit and there's just so many like things, like there are rules around it. And I like, I think I like rules. I think I can admit that to myself. Go learn um, some but I don't think that's the pitch. No, please. No, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So I think I like the rules part of it, but I don't think that's the pitch. Because I don't think the people like it because it's, you know, annoyingly set up. I think the pitch for Mox is truly when you just have like a very complicated test that has so much, so many lines of setup where you're implement, you're creating a customer and then creating an order and creating a checkout ID and like all of these things that you need to create in your test in order to put yourself in the environment in which you can actually test the code that you want to test. That's when I think that the pitch for Mox is really nice because then you can just wave a magic wand and then have those things set up and then and then do the thing. Yeah. So what I like in the pitch, totally different. <laughs> Yuming, how did you come to find Mox as a library? What drove you to end up using it? Yeah, so as I said before, I used Ruby before Elixir. So in Ruby community, we have these very popular gem called aspect and also aspect has these mocking functionalities expect stuff or uh, doubles and uh, so much more and uh, i think there's also mocking library for mini tests as well so in ruby it's very common to define mocks or stuffs in our tests so when i started learning elixir i always wanted uh, such a thing for elixir as well but at that time, mocks that uh, didn't exist. 
So when Mox came out with this great blog post from Joseph Valin, I explicit contract, I think. So I was really excited and I started learning and uh, using Mox right away. But as Sandy mentioned, using Mox is a bit annoying. Besides its setup, we also need to manage the processes. Which process can use this mock? Uh, should we allow a sub process to use this mock? Something like that. So this part always annoys me because I think using mocks in Ruby is so easy. You just mock everything, right? And so I think that's also a reason that leads me to promox. You, I feel like, have a relatively um, similar common path to a lot of Elixir developers, which is they came from Ruby. What do you think? Do you think Elixir has advantages over Ruby? Do you think Ruby has advantages over Elixir? Do you prefer working in one over the other? Yeah, all of those questions, I suppose. I think one best advantage of Elixir over Ruby is the concurrency. So i actually searching for an alternative other than Ruby where I saw a very slow test use. Almost every Ruby or in Rails app I, I worked with has a very slow test suit. It takes minutes to run. And with Elixir, we can run all these tests in parallel. So we can speed up the test process very much. And uh, in our local machine, even with a less powerful uh, MacBook or something, I can still get all the tests uh, running uh, thousands of them even in just uh, several seconds. So that's very impressive when I started learning Elixir and uh, using it in production. And I also, I think Ruby has this kind of parallel uh, tests recently. And I think that's what Elixir brought to the community as well. That actually just reminds me. I think we skipped over... You said that you had done Ruby and Elixir personally, but you are now using Elixir at 2B. So how did you bridge that gap? How did you find that first Elixir job? Yeah, so I think 2B organized this kind of Elixir meetup in China from time to time. I was using Elixir in my personal time, and I learned the live view and the Phoenix and everything. So I came to that meetup and uh, gave a talk about LiveView. So I introduced how LiveView worked to Elixir developers in China, and I got to know Tubi and uh, joined Tubi as an Elixir developer. Was this back in the days of in-person meetups, or was it completely virtual? I think that's virtual after the pandemic. As they all are, I think. It's kind of an interesting world for meetups right now. Me and some of the other Elixir meetup organizers have been talking about how we definitely have had a lot of cross meetup interaction where people at the Birmingham meetup know me now, and I'm planning on hopefully speaking at the Denver one at some point soon. And, you know, Denver folks have spoken at mine and it's just a really crazy like cross-section time where it's actually kind of more enjoyable because we get to talk to more people. And I think that is one plus that we've gotten out of the pandemic. We, we have gotten good things. I always try to remind myself about the good things. <laughs> yeah. If not for this virtual meetup, I wouldn't be able to speak at Elixir Comp this year. Yeah. Maybe it will maybe much later. 
Yeah, very true. Very true. And I think that generally, you know, on a broader sense, remote work for engineering has gotten overall better. I think there are still a lot of things that we're all learning still, but, you know, it's been interesting to reflect on the last 18, 20 months. Oh my gosh, I can't count time anymore to see, you know, where we started with remote work and to see where we are now. It's, it's interesting. But I think from like a community aspect, it is very interesting to see how we've been able to grow over virtual, you know, meetings and meetups. It's nice. Like I've gotten like a whole group of Elixir friends that I didn't know was out there before we went virtual, basically. Yeah, the tools are better. I'm spending more time on Twitter, which means I'm seeing and meeting more people in the community on the internet. It is pretty crazy, honestly. But the tools are definitely better than they used to be, even like 24 months ago. That is weird to say. Oof. Don't say 24 months. Let's just call it 20. Uh, speaking of your Elixir Conf talk, how did it go? Yeah, this is the first time I guess the community is hearing from you after your talk. Did you get any cool questions or was there any kind of community engagement after your talk? I especially want to thank the community because I got very positive feedback from after my talk. Even right after I finished my talk, I got applauses and appreciations from the audience so that even with a virtual conference i think that's very powerful and an encouragement for me as a speaker and yeah that's so great yeah. to hear yeah same yeah that's one thing i i really enjoy about the elixir community specifically is i feel like it's full of a lot of um, encouraging people they're really excited to see what people are doing in elixir and for the language and so it's great that everybody can continue to be so supportive, even virtually, where it can be a little bit harder to, I think, sometimes give that feedback. Yeah. And I felt very supported in my talk as well. I felt like I had some good questions and I had like my supporters up in the front row, <laughs> which was really nice. I actually forgot to mention that, you I mean, your talk influenced mine a little bit. I was trying very hard to be very aware of the other talks because I didn't want to step on different topics if they were going to be covered later. So I did mention actually that, you know, that protocols are becoming really popular and people are starting to use them or pick them over behaviors for various reasons. And I was like, and if you're curious about what that is, you know, pretty sure there's a talk on that promox later. So it was, you know, it's nice to try to be aware of what the community is doing and being able to, to raise each other up and give shout outs during our talks and stuff. Yeah. I was going to ask Yiming, do you have any plans for Promox to continue working on it? Have there been any requests or cool ideas that people want to see? Well, actually for Promox, it's a very simple library and it's been stable for a while. We've been using it in our test suite for quite some time. So I don't have any new features to add, not unless I have new things to add to my projects. Maybe I would consider extracting it again to the Promox library. You mentioned earlier that you had come upon, I think maybe Elixir because you were looking at TDD. Do you always follow a test-driven development rule? Do you always write your tests first? I know that, you know, there's some waffling, I think, about how people feel about it. And sometimes you don't maybe want to write the test or maybe you don't need it. But 
it wasn't actually something I learned in school. So coming upon it as a developer in the real world was kind of a shock, I guess. What are your feelings on it? Yeah, so the feeling is much complicated as it's always been with TDD in the community. So as I mentioned, I started basically learning web development with TDD. So I started doing all the TDD stuff. From the beginning, I started writing all my tests first, then my production code later, and getting my tests read, green refactor, and all this stuff. But nowadays, I follow, I think the rules are getting loose and loose. So maybe sometimes I would do some experiments with uh, production code and see how it goes. And then when I'm comfortable with the design and the function, the feature, I would then start writing my tests and maybe delete all the proof of concept code I wrote and converting them into tests. So I don't strictly follow TDD nowadays, but I think the the gist spirit of TDD still lives in in my code. That's so crazy to me. I just realized, Alex, what you just said, and then you mean how you kind of followed it up. TDD feels kind of natural, like it's you. Li- it lives with you in a spirit. I think if you were at a college that gave you code, where you had a project and you had to write the code to make the red bars turn green, it only like just settled into my brain <laughs> that that was test-driven development. It's just that I didn't write the tests. I remember doing that and having to like make all of those bars go green. And <laughs> it was like basically a quiz. And if I didn't get all of my tests green, it didn't mean that my project failed or whatever. It was just that like my grade suffered. Oh my gosh, this is such a this is a moment for me. I'm just like, I'm picturing it. I think, what was it in Java? It's not JSPEC. Oh my gosh. I'm like completely blanking. It was some terrible. Yeah, that. Oh no, that. It's that. I could tell it was that when you said it because there was a pit in my stomach that blossomed. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we've all been doing TDD for a while now then. <laughs> yeah, I think coming up with a great solution, the first step is to ask the right question or coming up with the right quiz, as you said. So at college, maybe we are doing the quiz that someone else come up with. And then maybe out of college, when we do in the real world, we need to find that quiz, that problem we need to solve by ourselves. So maybe we should use TDD this time. And then maybe we should use other approaches next time. So it's like behavior and protocol. Uh, they are for different purposes and that we should choose between them when depending on the situations. Yiming, you learned Java and C sharp in college, is that correct? No C sharp, just Python, I think. C and uh, Java. I also learned Python and Java. Did you have any experience with any functional programming languages in college, or was that something you came to on your own? I think the only functional language in college I came to was Lisp. So I learned Emacs and uh, or the crazy lectures on online. So they are talking about this crazy language talk called Lisp and uh, how powerful it is or the parentheses 
yeah, I, I only learned that in the elixir after. That's something I wish I had learned more of in um, in college. Just that there's a variety of other languages out there than Java. Don't you think like a history of class would be great before you really get into the nuances of a code language, like what Quinn is doing with like history of Erlang? Like I would have, I I would love to have had a non-technical. Like these are the different programming languages. This is how they came about. This is why you use them. This is these are the categories. OO versus FP. You know, like that would have been great. Somebody go make that. <laughs> That's Sunday next talk. Just history of all the languages. <laughs> history, history of all programming languages. Oh, this the talk two hours. Am I actually filming a documentary? <laughs> like it's actually going to be all day. Oh my gosh. So good. So good. I think there is a functional programming uh, language documentary talk from maybe ElixirConf 2020 or 2019. I, I didn't remember exactly, but I think there's one. That sounds have to check that out. Yeah. That sounds really fun. Yeah, definitely going to have to check that out. I've said it before on the podcast. I love me a good history of... I think Honeypot does a lot of those like history of Elixir, history of I think one I watched that was like Ember maybe, where they interview the founders and talk about like the specifics of what was going on and how it was created. I love it. Give me that over uh, anything else any day. I know Alex is into the the documentary type is called. You like the documentaries that are I'm trying to remember. Documentaries that are true crime related, yes, cult related. You. I love a good cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always. We'll watch yeah. any of it. It's interesting to see the content we consume when it's like Elixir and then not technical at all. Because mine is usually like Elixir, 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 Avatar podcast. <laughs> Avatar? Yeah, Avatar The Last Airbender. There's a whole podcast around that. Huh. They go through all the episodes, they review it. It's great. I've never seen it. Okay, we'll talk about it later. Don't come at me, everybody. <laughs> I've never seen Avatar The Last Airbender. I've also never seen Avatar, the fancy long movie. Oh, very different. Very, very, very different. I'm a huge Avatar The Last Airbender fan, though. Cool. So, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, about how you found Elixir. And we also talked a lot about, at the beginning here, about, like, the impact that one Elixir meetup that Tubi had had on you, you know, personally, how is Elixir doing in China overall? Do you see it growing? Do you see it shrinking? Is there like, are there more companies popping up that are using it? I'm just like, we very rarely have the opportunity to talk to people in like a different region to talk about Elixir. So what's up? Yeah, I think the community is still quite small in China. So as I said, the whole WeChat group is only like 400 people. And we found it really hard to hire in Elixir developers in China. And also maybe you find, uh, on the other hand, from developers perspective, it's really hard to find Elixir companies, good Elixir companies to work with. So I think we are still having a long, long way to go in China to grow this Elixir community, to bring these great language, these great frameworks to more people in China. Yeah. And can you speak to, you know, if you were to convince another company in China or elsewhere 
you know, that Elixir has been great for you, you know, how would you describe that impact that Elixir has had on you and your programming style if you were doing that elevator pitch for someone else? I think if I want to convince a company to use Elixir, I would start from like, it's more, the application would become more easier to maintain. With technologies like LiveView, you can have a, a sole developer that can develop a single page application by maybe one person or a small team and they can move really fast with that technology. But for me personally, Elixir also changed how I think of programming. So I think it's also a really great tool to use to level up the whole whole team's ability to solve different problems is great too. That's so great that you say that because you are not the first person to say that using Elixir has changed the way that you program in general. I think in the the season intro, Eric talks about how writing Elixir, he noticed that he writes different, maybe better JavaScript. What are some things that you've noticed that you've taken out of Elixir and used in other languages, like concepts, how differently do you write your code, I guess? I think the aha moment came to me when learning Elixir in Phoenix, where I read this great book, Programming Phoenix. So in Programming Phoenix, they modeling the whole HTTP server endpoint as a function. So when we call a website, call a RESTful API, maybe. So it's like calling a function. The parameters we gave to this HTTP endpoint is the parameters we give to this function. And uh, what we get from this endpoint is the return re result. So when we model the whole HTTP server as a bunch of functions, we can do the same as different levels of this at our applications. So at the top level, we have these different services and each of these services has, can be seen as a function. And the, each service has a bunch of HTTP API endpoints and each of endpoints can be seen as a function. And the, each endpoint is composed of different plugs and the plugs are also functions. And the functions can be broken down into more functions and it's all functions all the way down. Oh, that's so good. I don't actually think I heard the it's turtles all the way down phrase until Bruce Tate said it in class, maybe when I was taking his live view class, but I really appreciate how you worked that in there. That's so good. Cool. What do you think like the future of Elixir will be if you had to predict the future right now? Or what do you hope it'll be? What do you hope? to see from Elixir in five to 10 years? I think Elixir itself is a very stable and simple language. And uh, that's also I why I love it. And uh, as of now, I think uh, we are not adding more features to Elixir itself. It's just more improvements to compilations and the uh, code formats, things like that. But I think when we use Elixir, we are just scratching its service. Like, Take protocol as an example. Not many people are using protocol in the past few years as I can think of. But recently we see more and more people using protocol to do all the fancy stuff. So I think my biggest hope for Elixir is to 
find more of these kind of patterns and to leverage OTP more so we can get more cool applications like live view and more frameworks like that in the future. I would agree with you. I think we've really only just scratched the surface, especially like in terms of community size, even things like that, right? It's still a pretty small, not widely used. So there is a long way to go yet. The future holds endless possibilities. Yiming, do you have any final plugs or asks from the audience and our wonderful crew of listeners? Yeah. So as I said, I worked for Tubi. So and I, Tubi is hiring for Elixir developers in both the US and in China. So if you are interested in managing the complex video processing pipeline with Elixir, feel free to reach me on Twitter. I'm at DSDSHCYM on Twitter. And uh, I think that would be put in the show notes as well. It will definitely be in the show notes. I know our producer, Bonnie Lander, is great with compiling those. Thank you, Bonnie. Well, guys, that's it. Thank you so much, Yiming, for joining us. Across three time zones, we have managed to record this episode. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. That's it for this episode of Elixir Wizards. Thank you again, Yiming Chen, for joining us today. Elixir Wizards is a Smart Logic production. Today's hosts include myself, Alex Hausen, and my co-host, Sunny Mient. Our producer is Bonnie Lander, and our executive producer is Rose Burt. We get production and promotion assistance from Michelle McFadden. Here at Smart Logic, we build custom web and mobile software. We're always looking to take on new projects. We work in Elixir, Rails and React, Kubernetes, and more. If you need a piece of custom software built, hit us up. Don't forget to hit like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Follow at SmartLogic on Twitter for news and episode announcements. You can also join us on the Elixir Wizards Discord. Just head on over to the podcast page to find the link. And don't forget to join us again next week for more on the impact of Elixir.